0: Welcome to the Rockspile Rockies Report, your source for the latest news, opinions, and analysis on your Colorado Rockies, brought to you by the experts at Rockspile.com. So welcome to this episode of the Rockspile Rockies Report. This is the debut episode. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-expert for Rockspile, and I'm joined by my... Uh good friend and co-expert, Noah Yingling. Noah, what's up tonight? Not much. I'm just
1: having a great time watching the uh, AAA All-Star
0: Game. I've got that on, too. I've seen some isotopes come up there once in a while, so it's always a good yep. thing, you know? So, uh this is our first episode of the Rockies Rockies Report and we wanted to kind of give you a taste of what you're going to be hearing. Our our goal with this is to be shorter uh podcasts, more informative. Uh we're going to bring you uh, uh player interviews from Coors Field, uh, a lot of things like that, but we wanted to make sure that we kick things off right and introduce ourselves to you. Uh, and and I'll start. My name's Kevin Henry, as I said, I've been covering the Rockies now for 6 years. Uh very uh Glad to have a season credential with the Rockies and be there most nights at Coors Field. And, you know, just love what this team has become uh, with the transition from Walt Weiss to Bud Black and how it's now a perennial contender. And all the reading uh, views that you all give us on Rock's File, uh, we know that Rockies fans are excited for information. That's one of the reasons why we're starting this podcast. And uh, we appreciate fans side believing in us and doing this. Uh, so Noah, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to the crowd here. So
1: this is my, well, I've been at uh, Rocks Pile for two years now. Um, I actually live in Ohio, and um, I live about 60 miles or so west of Cleveland, so I'm more in the Cleveland market. Um, but with being in covering the Rockies for two years, I've, I'm obviously, I know the team and all that, but. Also, too, I try to keep in touch with all the other teams, and I mean closest one to me here is Cleveland, and that's the team I actually grew up uh rooting for so but I try to keep in touch with all the teams, but yeah, in the past two years here it's been it's been really great writing about the Rockies and all that, and especially kind of how for a while they weren't in the playoffs or anything like that, and they weren't even close to the playoffs. And then in the past few years, like you said, they're becoming perennial contenders.
0: Absolutely. You know, and uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about tonight for this debut episode, we wanted to, uh, you know, you mentioned Cleveland just a minute ago, and want to give props to one of our uh, colleagues, uh, Luke zalman who works for Mile High Sports and oversees the Rockies coverage for them. Uh, he was actually covering the All-Star Game in Cleveland. And I saw one of his tweets that I thought was very interesting, and I want to read it uh, to make sure that I don't get any of the words wrong or anything like that. Uh, But Luke tweeted, one thing that's become extremely apparent when chatting with players with the All-Star festivities is that no one really discounts the Rockies guys. They know how good they are. It appears to be outside noise rather than internal regarding Coors and such. You know, I know know you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording about how that – you know, we always hear about Charlie Blackman's a Coors Field product. And Nolan Arenado's never going to win an MVP because he's Coors Field. Larry Walker's never going to be in the Hall of Fame because of Coors Field. You know, we hear all these things, and I wonder if it's just noise, and it's not really how the, the players and those who are really important to the game view things.
1: Yeah, and I think that I think the Coors, uh, there is a tiny bit of, Coors Field, where your numbers are going, most likely are going to be a little bit elevated, but it's not as much as people think, especially people who don't cover the Rockies or are in the Denver area. Because um, I mean, with yeah. I I think part of that is because of DJ LeMahieu, how he's gone to um, Yankees and he's put up great numbers there, and People are saying, oh, he used to play in Coors Field, but now he's putting these great numbers up at Yankee Stadium. And I think part of that is because he's playing in the New York market. People, and there's a lot more eyes that are on him in the national scope, at least. Um, So people are seeing, oh, he's putting up these good numbers. Maybe it's, maybe Coors Field isn't such a big difference in the numbers. <laughs> so perhaps maybe that the Coors effect, at least of the people that are saying it, will people start to see, hey, maybe it's not as big of a thing as I thought. Maybe there's a little bit. And I would I would say there probably is a little bit because with pitching, for example, sure. um, I mean... For example, Daryl Kyle, when he came to the Rockies nearly 20 years ago now, his numbers went up. Now, that was pre-Humidor, but I digress. Um, But you're going to have some numbers change, but it's not as big of a deal as it's been made out to be.
0: You mentioned DJ, and it's been so funny to me to see the... New York, East Coast media, however you want to call it, all of a sudden they're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's such a great hitter and kind of just going on and on about him being Le Machine and all this stuff that they're now dubbing him. And we're all sitting here in the Mountain Time Zone going, he's doing exactly what he's done his whole career in Denver. You know, he's, he, he hits the ball. He plays great defense. You know, he, he, does, he just goes about his business and he doesn't do a lot of flash about it. So it's funny to me to see all of a sudden people discovering what a great player DJ is whenever we all knew that for quite some time. Yeah, and I mean,
1: especially with the mountain time zone, it's not as bad as the, um, as the Pacific time zone for us here in the eastern time zone. Games start at 840. I mean, that's not too late. It's not like, oh, I got to be in bed by 9 o'clock for work or something like that. <laughs> Um, so, and the West Coast games, they start at 10, they finish at one in the morning sometimes if they go extra innings or if it's a really long game and you're starting to get close to two o'clock and, and okay, you start to cut out. Um, but obviously with, with it being the Rockies, I part of it's the media. Uh, it just, it's not a a big of an area. And then it's almost like the mountain time zone is the forgotten time zone. So.
0: Well, and, and I thought, you know, going back to the all-star game, one of the, 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 the time that Joe Buck interviewed Charlie Blackman was a train wreck from <laughs> start to finish. It seemed like, but, but you know, the fact that, that he, he kind of asked, you know, about the Rocky season and, and you know, are they still in it? And, and I know that that's Joe being a journalist and letting Charlie talk. But at the same time there's there was a lot of that whole have you seen much of the Rockies this year? Do you really know what kind of team this is? You know, so I I thought that was very telling at least in my mind.
1: Yeah, and I and that's a lot of people's problem with Joe Buck in general is like he does the playoff games, he does one LCS a year and he does the World Series, but really he doesn't do a lot of the regular season games anymore like he used to or he used to be with the Cardinals for yeah. nearly 20 years, and then his dad was there for over 50 years. But um, oh, yeah. I think, I, I and it's not necessarily an issue with Joe Buck, it's just an issue with national media in general. And they just, they aren't they aren't covering the team day in and day out. And they just parachute in for a day or two, and then, okay, sayonara, I'm going back to New York <laughs> or whatever. So that yeah. they don't get the personal aspects of it and all that, they just see, oh, I what once maybe twice a year there's actually they send the actual broadcasters for a Rockies game. And there's sometimes where like on MLB Network they'll they'll carry the AT and T feed of it um, with Drew Goodman and either uh, Ryan Spilborgs or um, jeff Houston, but they aren't sending the actual national guys out there so i think that's part yeah. of the issue of of we with sunday night baseball what, there was a nationally televised game earlier this year and it it had been what yep. 15 years or more since sunday night baseball had been to course field so i think that's a
0: lot of the issue yeah and, and it's I, I think it is too. And, and I think a lot of the issue is that that then that hurts a guy like Noel, uh, who we all know is such a great player, offensive, and defense. And I will, I will say in the all star coverage, I love that he actually got a lot of props for the amazing defender that he is. Yeah. But I, I still think that whenever it comes to the MVP conversation, Nolan gets a black eye a little bit simply because 81 of his games each year are played at, at altitude.
1: Yeah, and I I think we're starting to see that go away a little bit. But, I mean, for example, 2015, he led the National League in home runs with 42. He led the National League in RBIs with 130. He led the National League in total bases. He hit 287. He had a one... But he had a 124 OPS plus. um, But with that, the, the park adjusted and all that. But he won a gold glove. He won a silver slugger. And he comes in eighth in MVP. So, and I mean, yeah. he led the league in homers and led the league in RBIs. And he was fairly well ahead of everybody else. And just the people who got MVP votes, the next highest in RBIs was Paul Goldschmidt. And he had 110. So that's 20 less than Nolan had. So, but there are, I think, and that was 2015. And I mean, I think you're starting to see it less and less because last year he was third in MVP voting. And he was right about the same as the other two, which were Christian Yelich and Javi Baez, the Cubs, and RBIs. Yelich had 110, Baez had 111. Nolan had 110. Home runs. Yelich 36. Baez 34. Nolan 38. So they were all fairly close. Hits, they were all within a dozen of each other. Runs just about the same. Um average, Yelich was a little bit higher. He was at 326. Baez and Nolan were within seven points of each other. So I think I, I think it's getting a little bit closer where maybe the third place one in last year was a, you could see it more, but so in 2015, it's, it looked like it was a little bit more clear cut or he should have been at least higher than eighth. You would think. Um, yeah, so I think, agreed. I think with time that people are starting to see, Hey, maybe there's not as much of a course field effect. Maybe he's just a pretty good hitter and a, a really good defender. Maybe he's just one of the best players in the league. And I think that ties in with LeMayhew. I mean, people are starting to see, hey, maybe it's not all course field. Maybe sure. they, they can just hit and they're good baseball players. I mean, there's a reason why Nolan Arenado has had five All Star games. He's a good player. You, 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 I, you can yeah. have fluke ones where, oh, he get and this guy gets in because hey, they need a team representative and their his team is losing 120 games this year, but you don't get five All Star appearances just by a fluke.
0: Absolutely, you know, and and we we get to watch Nolan night in, night out, and I think there's times that we almost take it for granted. Uh, you know, that he's going to make the amazing play, uh, you know, and, and I think one of these days we're going to look back and go, wow, we were so lucky to see this guy in his prime and doing what he could do. So, you know, and and we've talked about, you know, Nolan and the MVP and the Coors Field, and you know, and, and I think back to Larry Walker, you know, and certainly Coors was still haunting him a little bit whenever it comes to the Hall of Fame, but we remember he got his MVP, you know, in 97. We know that. And so, the precedent's there. Uh, I think it's just going to take maybe a Herculean effort from Nolan to actually get over the top.
1: Yeah. And for Walker, I, I think you're, with the Coors Field Effect, people starting to see, hey, maybe it's not as big of a deal. You saw that kind of with Walker's um, Hall of Fame total this year. It jumped up from 34% to nearly 55%. Now, whether this year on his last time on ballot, it's count or not whether he's able to jump yeah. up 20 more percent who knows but um like you said the, the precedent is there um with walker and uh, part of it uh, steroid era at the time there was i mean if you look at the people who got mvp voting almost every single one of them has 130 135 140 rbi um sure. so but i mean he had if you look just by war, which I I think it's a good baseline, but not the be all end all, he was actually number one in war. Um so but for Nolan, uh last year he was of the top three, he was actually third in war. He had a f his war was five point six, Baez was six point three, and Yelich was seven point six. So Like I said, I think it's, I think it's starting to. People are starting to realize, hey, maybe there's not as much of a Coors Field aspect as we think. So I think Nolan, if he truly has the good enough numbers at the end of a season, he really could win an MVP. Whether that's this year, next year, whenever. But I think, I think there's there's definitely a chance that people finally say, Hey, he's the best player or most valuable player in the national league. Yeah. He's, he should be the MVP.
0: Well, I know a lot of Rockies fans are hoping that that is the season. Cause obviously if he gets in back heavy into the MVP conversation, that means the Rockies are winning and that yeah. means that they are uh, knocking on the door for that third consecutive postseason appearance as well. Yeah. So, well, hey, this has, uh, just been our first one. And, uh, you know, Noah and I are looking forward to doing this on a very regular basis, bringing you our opinions, bringing you some words straight from the Rockies, uh, players and coaches and administrators as well. Uh, so hopefully uh, you'll come back. You'll subscribe to us. Uh, we want the, uh, the Roxbow Rockies report to be a uh, part of your listening agenda, uh, in and out of season. So Noah, thanks for joining and, uh, looking forward to doing this with you. Man.
1: Yep, and finally something that we've got going after some talking about it, but finally got it into fruition.
0: Absolutely. So, well, hey, we're going to wish all of you a good rest of the day or evening whenever you're listening to this. And, hey, be looking for our next episode. We are excited about bringing this to you, and we promise you it's going to be something different than is already out there. Uh, We're going to work hard to make it that way. So, for now, uh, Kevin Henry signing off for you. Noah Yingling, thanks for joining us. Yep thank you. Hard to make it that way. So for now, uh, Kevin Henry. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.